no, we, you know, I mean, we, we just, we, the bears are what we thought they were. They're what we thought they were. Say that one more time, play. One more time. One more time. Bear Essentials Podcast is sponsored by Kins Lager Brewery, located in Oak Park, Illinois. They're a local lager-focused brewery. The tap room is currently closed, but you can still order online for local delivery or curbside pickup. The Bear Essentials Podcast listeners will receive a 15% discount on your order by using promo code BEARSPOD. Please visit them at kinslager.com. That's spelled K-I-N-S-L-A-H-G-E-R.com. Welcome to the Bear Essentials. We are a Chicago Bears podcast for the fans. On today's show, we will recap the CZND press conference and the Chicago Bears 2020 season and much more. Hey, Dub, happy birthday, son. <laughs> Thank you, friends. Appreciate it, brother. Man, how you doing? How you feeling over there, man? I'm feeling pretty good. I had to work on my birthday, though, but, you know, it's all good. <laughs> well, you know, 2021, stay at home, work from home. You know how it goes. You know the vibes. Yes, <laughs> I do. <laughs> you got anything planned for later, man, or making it up as you go along? I'm going to make it up as I go along. I may go out to eat with the family, you know, and try to do something nice. There you go. Well, listeners, I want you all to wish my brother, A-Dub, a happy birthday. Please do so on social media. We appreciate it. We love him. Happy birthday, man. Thank you. And thank you, fans, as well. So, A-Dub, we got a lot to talk about on this show. <laughs> uh, we saw on Tuesday, we received word that the Bears uh, defensive coordinator, Chuck Pagano, announced his retirement. What do you think right. there with that news? Well, it was a shocker for me. I understand that, you know, in the past, Pagano went through the cancer and things of that nature, and he recovered from that. I know being in uh, coaching can be a tough job at times, and this was a, a tough year to actually coach. You could cope and everything else. With him retiring, it was a shocker for me, but I'm not surprised. Yeah, man, I agree with you. And, and I wanted to start off by basically saying that, uh, you know, thanks, Chuck Bagano, for your two seasons here. I know um, I have been rough with you on this podcast, but we know that he's well-respected around the league, had right. a solid college and pro coaching career. Now, I will be remiss if I didn't admit, though, that the defense did regress <laughs> from the 2018 season when we had uh, Vic Fangio here. So, that defense, A-Dub, as you've mentioned a lot of times, was a turnover machine. And we saw that we took some steps back under Pagano. That is correct. And a lot of times we said on previous podcasts, we talked about the aggressiveness of our defense. And we didn't see a lot of that the past couple of years. No. So now this is going to be the third time in four seasons that we're going to be tasked with hiring a new defensive coordinator, man. Good luck to us. <laughs> <laughs> but I would just say this, man. All the respect in the world to him as a man. He, like you said, he overcame a lot of uh, challenges with his health. But I'm actually okay with Pagano leaving, man. I'm just going to say that, you know, the defensive talent that we've had on this team, I'm just going to say it's been wasted the last couple of seasons. And I look forward to that defense returning back to that 2018 level. Me too. And I look to see us do more blitzing, getting involved, and uh, do a lot of different things to get these offenses off their game scheme. So we're looking forward to that. Also, on Wednesday, we saw that the Bears had their season-ending press conferences. And so they trotted out George McCaskey, Ted Phillips, Matt Nagy, and of course, Ryan Pace. And right. it was on this conference call that we found out that Nagy and Pace were officially returning for another season. What did you think about that decision? And also, what were some of your thoughts about the press conference, A-Dub? 
Well, 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 well. <laughs> <laughs> My optimism was sore spot on a little bit, a little bit spot on because we don't know what's going to happen with the uh, with the quarterback situation yet. But I will say I'm not surprised they brought back uh, Nagy and Ryan Pace. My thoughts on the press conference is what we've been alluding to this entire time. It's a COVID year. You and I talked about that. And things are different. And then looking at the fact that the chemistry between Ryan Pace and Nagy is very good. It's solid. They communicate very well with each other. That's kind of hard to find in today's time frame when it comes down to coaching and GM. And we see a lot of that happen even with our other team, Chicago Bulls, in the past to where the GM and maybe the coach didn't get along. So to see this happening where through adversity that these two guys continue to operate and talk to each other and communicate and self-reflect and do all those different things to try to get this team back on board, I think that's solid to see. I wasn't surprised to see him bring those guys back for another year. Well, I would say this, man. A-Dub continues to be the optimist. I um, I wasn't surprised that they both came back, but I was disappointed that that decision was made. And I'll tell you why, man. In that press conference, I was really troubled with the fact that George McCaskey cited the main reason why he brought those guys back was the impressive finish that they had to the 2020 season. He said that was one of the primary reasons, along with what you brought up with the chemistry between Nagy and Pace, right? I say keep in mind, listeners, fans, and anybody, <laughs> that one of the reasons for this impressive finish that he talked about down the stretch was the quarterback, Mitch Trubisky, that they threw under the bus in said press conference. And we have said this on our show many times that Mitch saved both of these guys' jobs because we know after that six-game loser streak, Matt Nagy, he was on the hottest of hottest seats. Good point. Very good point there. Just in my opinion, Pace and Nagy, they didn't perform as they should have with that expensive-ass roster that we tried out there this season. And the fact that, that they kept their jobs because of a three-game winning streak against bad teams, that part where George McCaskey said that, that shit kind of made me like kind of look at him side out a little bit. I'm like, bro, what are you talking about? <laughs> well, this is what I was saying from the press conference he brought up. That six-game losing streak, he talked about that and how the locker room sort of stayed together, how Nagy and Pace still kept the team together. You didn't hear a lot of um, chatter coming out the locker room where people were disappointed, et cetera, and fighting and frickering, all those different things. You didn't see that. You didn't hear that. So the fact that the team was able to hold together through adversity, that was probably a big part of that. And then still come out and finish the season with a 3-1 and one record and make the playoffs, I thought that was most of the part of what he was alluding to regarding a part of why he decided to keep those guys. And that's a good point, Adub. One point, though, to think about, remember in the press conference after we lost to the Saints and Mitch Trubisky and his basically presser said that the, the culture was an area that he thought could have been better. So it was, an, it was a stark contrast to the culture that McCaskey brought up on the call, because I have a guy here in the, in the locker room that's probably one of the team leaders and mm-hmm. he's calling out the culture. We're seeing where you have guys on this team, Wims. Miller being undisciplined football players. We saw discipline being a big problem with this team all season. So my whole thing is that culture thing was a word that they used a lot in that press conference. But that culture to me, A-Dub, it seems like it's a flawed culture. It could be. It depends on the scenario, right? What part of the the culture you think that's flawed? Now, you're right. On the field, definitely there were some things that could have been cleaned up from our teammates. We saw that. You're right. The guys you mentioned with Wims and Fuller, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Wims and Getting that altercation and Miller right getting out there also an altercation. So yeah, that part of the game we also saw a lot of flags being thrown as well with us picking up penalties, which also part of our you know uh, flaw that we had out there. But I think what he was talking about really was around our team chemistry as far as how these guys get along together. 
We didn't see our team freaking with each other, right? Fighting with each other. We didn't see guys coming to the press, throwing each other on the bus, right? We didn't see Matt coming out, saying things about Quinn when he wasn't playing well. So we didn't see nothing, things like that going on that could have really hurt uh, a team chemistry and culture. So that part of it, I can definitely understand is where McCaskey was coming in at. The players may not throw each other under the bus, but the coaches sure throw their players under the bus. And uh, we saw that happen multiple times. And I still stand yes. on the fact that Mitch Trubisky, they threw him under the bus in that press conference. I also was uncomfortable mm-hmm. with the fact that it seems like, just from what I listened to, I listened to the press conference maybe three times to make sure that I had it. Right, go ahead. It seemed like they were propping up Nick Foles a little bit and giving him excuses for his poor play. I, did you Did you catch that at all? I caught a little bit of that, but the only thing I can say to even give Nick Foles any sorts of pass will be based upon how the line actually treated him. Because again, he kind of came to the game with a very bad line. That's when the line really started to get worse. Other than that, they did try to pump up a little bit and saying that he's not the fall guy. <laughs> and so that's pretty much what I think they were trying to say is that let's not put all the blame on him. Yeah, well, I would just say this, man. I mean, that was the same offensive line that that Mitch was playing behind a series before that. And I say the thing that we know between these two quarterbacks is one is mobile, one is immobile, right? Right, right. The, the thing that I saw with Nick Foles was the fact that he was brought here for his decision-making and the deep ball. And right. I didn't see either of those things when he was at the quarterback position for us. And so my thing is, when I look at Nagy and Pace, I did not agree with this decision to bring them back because guess what? They're talking about collaboration and the way these guys work together. Well, okay, we saw what your collaboration meant. Your collaboration brought us Nick Foles here from the Jaguars. Right. That was a bad idea, I will say. Looking at how this whole thing unfolded this year, it looks like a bad idea. Now, before it happened, you know, I, I'll be one of the ones to say, you know what? I thought it was a good idea to have him as a backup when he came on board, just in case, you know, uh, Mitch screw up. But how everything has unfolded throughout this entire season, maybe it was a bad idea to get folds. <laughs> you think? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> but sometimes you got to wait to see, right? And that's the same way with Quinn, right? Before Quinn got here, he was great. But this year, you probably can say, ah, did we make a bad decision there, right? So these are things you can say after the fact, right? And I think, too, when you and I do some more of our detailed film review, we may see that the film of Robert Quinn may tell a different story than maybe what we saw during the games this year. I would say right. Robert Quinn has an opportunity next season, I think, with a with a new off, uh, defensive coordinator coming in to get back on track. But I, I believe in him. I, I think that I think he could get the job done next season. I just think that they're going to have to come up with a better scheme. But we'll get into that later in the conversation. Yes, sir. I guess for me, A-Dub, I look at the fact when I hear George McCaskey and Ted Phillips speak, I just feel like they took the easy way out. What they basically told the fan base is status quo is okay. And when you look at this regime, they're basically telling you just in my opinion, what I'm thinking about A-Dub is that 2021 is going to be a lost season for us. You have everybody that's coming back in this lame duck ass status, right? Right. And we don't even really know the contract situation for Pace because they wouldn't answer that question. Right. (laughs) You avoid that question big time. I'm like, damn, bro. I'm like, what's the secret? Why can't right. we know? <laughs> he did keep it a secret for sure. The bar is set really low right now. And it's setting us up, I think, for another letdown of a season. And I don't even know if next season we're going to go up to 17 games. I think that was something that was talked about last year. But, right. man, if the way that I'm feeling right now, I'm like, man, we'll be lucky if we win five games next season. That's kind of how I feel about these two guys coming back. The organization, A-Dub, to me, they just kicked the can down the road for one more year. And I don't know why. The last point that I have on McCaskey, 
it just wasn't a good look to see him up there in that press conference. He was really not prepared to answer any of the tough questions that the Chicago media was throwing at them. And I was so proud of the Chicago media for not doing the softball question thing. They were coming at those guys with really tough questions. Yes, they did. The thing also, I didn't get to see him even ask that question very well around the uh, quarterback situation. He didn't give us a good answer around that, but I think he left us with the fact that they're still evaluating that situation. Yeah, but like you said, though, it just wasn't a concrete answer uh, to the question at all. Right, exactly. So it's like, you should know more about what you're looking to do going forward. You should have an idea. But the thing is, that's what he say. He copped out on a lot of these questions there. As you can see, he took the high road <laughs> without really giving in-depth answers. So, um, But we'll definitely have to really see what happens. But you're right. I'm not too thrilled about how he answers some of those questions. No, and the thing about it is, <laughs> you know in this town, you have the fans, you have the media, you're waiting and we're looking and we're looking for some sort of hope, right? And so right. when he gets on that press conference and he like, just sounds weak, he sounds defeated, he doesn't have any answers. He's always talking about the fans. Well, I get this email from season ticket holders and I'm a fan too. And I'm just as pissed off and my mother's pissed off. But I'm like, well, bro, don't you realize that we want to hear more from you? We want to hear some actual solutions or we want to hear some understanding that you see that there's a problem here? The thing I didn't like about that press conference is when he used a couple words, like you just said, you hit one of them. I was going to throw this out there. He says so that Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace are solution-oriented. What the hell is solution-oriented when we actually had two seasons in a row, eight and eight? <laughs> right. right. <laughs> we can't be solution-oriented like that, man. We're having two bad seasons in a row. So got to come better than this. One thing, too, because you know I'm going to have to get uh, Ted Phillips a little heat here. <laughs> this dude had to quote at a fucking press conference he, he says, have we gotten this uh, quarterback situation right? And I'm paraphrasing. He said, no. He said, have we won enough games? He says, no. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> he says, right. everything else is there. I'm like, so basically that right there in a nutshell is you just basically telling us where your bar is. It's not about wins. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. not about the bad drafting that's happened, but it's about a culture. And you brought up the culture. And they kept bringing up this thing about the culture. I guess that's the only thing that matters to these guys. But they have to realize, and I say this all the time, A-Dub, the NFL is a bottom line business. It is. Except at Hallis Hall, apparently. <laughs> right. Think about this, A-Dub. The Eagles, they fired Doug Peterson. Doug Peterson happens to be a Super Bowl winning coach. Three winning seasons out of his five with the Eagles. And he had four playoff wins. But we decide to keep Matt Nagy, because of his eight and eight records, apparently, because they meet some sort of a standard. And let's not to mention his 0-2 playoff record, which one of those losses was that fucking double doink, right? right which is right. on him, in my opinion, because you tried it out that fucking kicker. But Nagy was once labeled as a quarterback guru, A-Dub, and this offensive mastermind when we brought him here to Chicago. Now, <laughs> three years later, <laughs> Nagy hasn't produced anything more than a mediocre offense at best, right? Where does this faith come from that he's going to be able to do anything next season to improve upon what we've seen. Yeah, that's going to be a a big point you're making right there because I don't know what they're going to do with the quarterback situation just yet. So much going on out there, right, that you and I have heard and whispers going on out there with quarterbacks out there already. But the thing is, I don't know what these guys are going to do, what they're going to bring to the table. It's one thing that I gather from this conversation, from listening to the press conference, is that they don't have a plan. (laughs) They don't have one. That's why they're sticking with Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy. There's no future plan just yet. They got to figure it out next year what they're going to do. 
to me, I think that's the main reason they're breaking the back. He could have just said that, but he won't say it. <laughs> Dude, this organization, these guys run this thing like a small business where you're sitting here writing ideas on the back of fucking napkins and passing that shit around the table. Like, that's what this organization is being run like. They're not being run like the freaking billion dollar organization that they are. And it's a shame. It's, it's run like a mama pop shop, bro. It does. What got me is that McCaskey talked about who actually evaluates him, right? And I think he mentioned the board of directors are part of it. Correct. His family, right? Also part of it as well. But I wonder, what do they think? Do you all think this is okay to bring Ryan Pace and Nagy back? Do oh, you, you know what they think? They happy that them checks still coming in. Right, because right. The Bears are a marketable organization. Fans buy their jerseys. We didn't have fans in the stands this year, but think about it. That season ticket uh, list A-Dub goes back probably almost 10 years right now for anybody that wants to get season tickets. That right. organization is a cash cow. So what I think of those McCaskies, and I hate to say this, but as long as that money's coming in, I don't think they give a fuck about winning, bro. As long as fans are going to support a bad product, then why should they care about winning when fans actually don't? If we actually do care about winning as much as we say, we shouldn't be showing up to games. We shouldn't be supporting the team like that, really. We should let it be known because our voices isn't enough. Maybe our actions would say, you know what, maybe we'll keep our money in our pocket would make a big difference. Well, I mean, we saw that with the Bulls and we saw that the Bulls were forced to make changes because the fans stopped showing up to games. Fans embarrassed the organization at the All-Star game. So there's nothing these organizations uh, hate more than bad press and losing right. money. Yep, there you go. <laughs> Once that money, that bottom line get hit, that changes everything. And the Bears, I mean, we've been through this already. In that 2016 season under John Fox, I was giving away my tickets that season. I'm like, I'm not showing up for these games. Why am I going to spend money on parking to drive down here and watch 50 points get put on this team? No, I'm okay. I'm, I'm good on that. But I would just say this, man. <laughs> they just seem so content with being mediocre. And that's just what these moves are bringing these two back. And I don't think either one of these guys can fix this mess. I'm not even going to touch on the obvious blemish on Pace's resume, <laughs> but we already know what that is. Um, right. <laughs> but if they do decide to move away from Mitch, I do not feel good about Ryan Pace being in charge of acquiring our next quarterback, bro. Well, here's the deal. <laughs> if they somehow, Pace, somehow magically got Watson, <laughs> you'll probably take it back. <laughs> That's the only way. <laughs> right. But you're right. You, you make a good point. In the draft, I do not trust him in the draft. I really don't. If we're going to draft another quarterback, having him at the helm or doing that, that is concerning big time. Because the thing is, here's the question right now. You drafted a lot of guys. You brought guys over, right? They didn't work out. So what are you really doing differently to analyze quarterbacks? Because apparently you don't know how to analyze quarterbacks very well. No. I mean, think about every quarterback that they've trotted in here. Every one of them has been ineffective. Right, exactly. And, and that, that also includes Foles, right, in this whole right. thing. He signed up for money. He didn't do well at all in his games. Matter of fact, he was probably the worst, one of the worst of them. So it's like, do you even know how to evaluate quarterbacks very well? So that's something for Ryan Pace to think about. Also with him and Nagy together, if they're the ones, of course, going to have to make the decision around that. But I am concerned if they're the ones bringing another quarterback on board. Well, they are going to be the ones tasked with that decision. And that's why I thought it was important and it was awesome that the media was asking the questions of the contract situation because this is the thing where I think about Ryan Pace. If he is a lame duck, meaning this is his last year on this contract, a desperate Ryan Pace with draft capital worries the fuck out of me because that means he's going to be in all-in mode because he, he's not caring about the future because all he's trying to do is save his ass. Right, right. And he may mortgage the future 
And this is not the guy that you want out there trading draft picks away and still get a shit wrong. Right, right. One thing I will say this, that I will give, I think, Ted Phillips or Cass Kimmerman, which one of them said this here, but they did talk about the fact that Nagy and Ryan Pace does not have contract extensions. That's not a part of the conversation either. And they said that, hey, they got to show improvement, right? Some improvements here. Some improvements have to be made. And if that happens, then the contract would take care of itself. So my question would be, okay, how much improvement you're looking at? And what does that look like? Because again, it has not been clearly defined. What if we go what? We went 88 this season. What if we go 9 and 7, right? Does that make a difference? <laughs> you know, or whatever. Again, we need to get more details about what he mean by this team improving. Because that just has not, again, has not been clearly defined for us as fans. Right, because we see that uh, 10 and 6 season um, got Lovey Smith fired. So, yeah, right. you never know. Exactly. So, you got to come better than this. I'm just going to just continue to just say this, A-Dub, that we're approaching football hill category with the McCaskies and Ted Phillips running the show here. And they seem to be totally okay with it. Like, the whole time I'm looking at that press conference, I'm just getting angrier and angrier because I'm like, you guys are so out of touch with the rest of the league. The rest of the league is making moves. They're being progressive. They understand that the way the NFL actually works. And these guys are still over here doing the same outdated practices that have not been successful. Think about this. Since McCaskey has been the team chairman, bro, which is I think has almost been about 10 years. 10 years, something like that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, you're right. Hasn't had a damn playoff victory during his time as a team chairman and only two winning seasons. So while they're going to sit here and fucking do the circle jerk and talk to me about strong relationships and culture and good people, I want to know what where's the focus on the results. We got to focus on that too. Really got to get to that part of it. But here's the thing that he also said his press conference prayers. I'm not sure if you caught this with McCaskey. He mentioned that he reached out to a couple other owners, whatever. Yeah, I heard that, that, that shit. Yeah, 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 that he says he's pretty close with and to get feedback, you know, to get feedback from. And I wonder, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Because I can't tell if it's, if it's working. <laughs> you reached out to them. Why yeah. not another outside consultant or something, right? <laughs> but you know what? That is a bigger problem. Because if you had a football guy as your team fucking president, right. you would have to be reaching out to people outside <laughs> of your organization. So it's a terrible right. thing. Exactly. You, Keep you that shit in house. House. Right. You just asked my question. So thank you so much for that. But that's hey, a good point you just brought up. Hey, good point. think about that. I'm going to sit up here. I'm going to call somebody over in, in New England. Hey, guys. So this is what we've been doing over here. You, Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick laughing all the way to the bank. Yeah, we we think you should bring back Mac, uh, Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace. So that'll be good. You know, bring them back. Give them one more shot. Right. Meanwhile, they're like, okay, that's one team we don't have to worry about. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, you can get bad advice. And, and, and he think he's getting all the good advice from these other people that he's talking with from other teams. That might not be helping because, again, we're back to the same situation we were. We're still 8-8 eight and eight this year. Nothing has improved to the point to where it, it impacted our bottom line. We're record-wise. Right. Exactly, brother. I'm just going to say it. Bringing back Pace and Nagy, that's going to be a decision that's going to set this franchise and organization back many years to come. I do not see – I'm just going to put it on record. I do not see anything positive coming out of this. Right now, I'm very concerned, A-Dub. There's a lot of talent on this roster to be a playoff team. Mm-hmm. And obviously, we're missing a few pieces, but the main core is there. But I just worry about Pace and a lame duck status. And with Nagy, I just don't have faith that he has the required attitude to take his ego out of it. And when something's working with the offensive coordinator, that he doesn't meddle. Because we saw down the stretch, he meddled in the game plans again. My whole thing is this, Nagy, 
A-Dub has brought this up in the past about the fact that he has had a good culture, good locker room and things like that. So play to your strengths. And right. if you have some limitations of, as a coach, then do delegate and let something that Laser was doing that was obviously working, just keep doing that, right? Right, so right. My whole thing with him is I just don't think that his ego allow him to not be you. I think that's his biggest issue there. For some reason, the McCaskies, Ted Phillips thinks differently than us around the fact that he can keep his ego in check. Um, but we'll see. I mean, we're going to have to see now, right? Because they're going to be here. So we're going to have to see if he continues, well, can put his ego to the side and let Bill Lazor continue to call plays, et cetera. Whoever the new um, defensive coordinator is, let that person do their job. So we'll see if he can maintain his composure and stay out of business. <laughs> We'll see, but uh, I think Ted Phillips is in over his head and George McCaskey, while probably a very nice guy, they just don't know what the fuck they're doing. And Chuck Pagano and Mitch Trubisky are going to end up being the, the latest scapegoats for the, why the season went the way that it did. Right. And while Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace are going to continue to set the franchise back. I kind of walked away from that press conference believing that those two guys coming back means that they're probably more than likely going to move away from Mitch. We'll see what happens, though, because nothing's set in stone. Right. Uh, they they mentioned that everything's on the table, which I don't know what the fuck that means. What kind of table is it? <laughs> right. <laughs> shit. If it's an IKEA table, then shit, we're fucked. But it's tough to see. It is. And there's too many details that has not been mentioned to us for us to get an understanding of what he means by some of these things, right? He'll say stuff and we just don't know, hey, elaborate. He's not willing to elaborate. So it's so much that we need to understand about what's his idea of improvement or et cetera, right? What's happening with the team? We need specifics. Exactly, brother. Exactly. Well, man, let's let's get into some of our 2020 season recap, man. So I'm going to kick it over to you first. When you look back at this season, man, what did you think was the biggest reason for the team underachieving this season? The biggest reason I think this team underachieved, I got to go and point out um, Matt Nagy. This is why I got to point him out. A lot of things you already said already on the press, but the fact that he left Foles quarterback for that length of time frame, is a problem because it took what it took to get Mitch back in the game. It took an injury to get Mitch back in the game. It didn't happen because he, had, he, low, he felt that Mitch was the right guy to go with. It was because of an injury occurred. That's a bad thing. Two, it took him a long time to say, hey, you know what? I don't want to call plays anymore. I'm going to let Bill Lazor do it. Look, we probably looked totally different. Our first five or six games or seven had Bill Lazor call the games for us early. My next component here, I'm going to say, in the offseason, right, you had Foles and Mitch battling for a quarterback job. You got these guys in that kind of conditioning or that kind of situation working with players, throwing it to players, trying to get players involved so you can throw the longest, who can make plays down the field. You have them competing. But what that does, you don't get good chemistry either. So now you have a game showing up, right, a few weeks later, and guess what? Our guys doesn't look good offensively. Because you know why? They haven't had that chemistry at all. You've been having quarterbacks switching back and forth. So that quarterback battle sort of set us back you ask me. So yeah, I got to blame Nagy for a lot of those things, right? That went on, that led all the way up into the season. And then the benching happened as well. But yeah, it wasn't a good offseason either. Yeah, I would say for me, I just thought that the Bears offense uh, hitting all-time new lows during the season, especially that middle part of the season with Foles. Yeah. I think that was, to me, the biggest part of the team underachieving. Also, Mm -hmm. the defense fell off, you know, from their stellar play. Another thing that I thought was interesting and a lot of people don't talk about is you saw multiple players on this team voicing their frustrations on social media, whether it was Allen Robinson, whether it's Anthony Miller, 
it was a lot of guys on the team. Javon Wims. They were all going to social media saying stuff. So to me, that kind of points to that that culture bullshit that that Phillips and McCaskey was speaking about. Is I thought that's kind of bullshit. And and Mitch even threw them under the bus about the culture. And mm-hmm. the last part, I thought that the coaching staff, especially Nagy, there was a huge identity crisis. They yes. didn't know what the damn identity of that fucking offense was, which then resulted in him giving up the play call. Right. If it weren't for the scheduling gods gifting the Bears with bad teams in the final weeks of the season, dude, we wouldn't have been in no playoffs. And point. the thing about it is, Nagy and, and Pace wouldn't be here any of, anyway. And so, to me, they just wasted the season. This whole season just felt like a wasted opportunity to me, A-Dub. Right. I can totally understand where you're going with that part of it. The other thing I will say, from a Nagy standpoint as well, is with the play calling. He made these plays a little bit too complicated. They were, because guys really didn't understand the plays we were running. When we were running them, it didn't look crispy clean on the field. Looked bad, looked ugly. Like, we didn't even practice these plays. So, you combine all those things <laughs> that you're saying already to that, it looks ugly. Yeah. And then this is the other thing that I was going to touch on. The fact that they, and, and basically probably Nagy, ignored David Montgomery as long as he did earlier in the season. It's yes. a fucking, it was a, it's a damn shame. What we could say about the offensive line play being a little subpar earlier on. But my thing was when they decided to ride him, our team played really well to close the season, right? Right. But failing to establish the running game for the first three months of the season, I think that really set us back. It did. And what it did also, he decided to go with Foles, right? To let Foles be the hand and work things through Foles. And guess what? It backfired. So we could have done a good job with maybe going through Montgomery, then going through Foles for that six weeks. Yeah. No, I, I get you on that. I do. I do. I do. I guess when I look at it, so I looked at that a little differently than you. So because for me, I think Nagy is the person that I blame the most for us being eight and nine. Yeah. Um, but I think that when I looked at individual factors, I think that I just looked at it. I, I looked at it a little bit more minutely about just some of the key things that were going on, because I'm going to pick Nagy apart real quick in my thoughts on him. Right. Mm-hmm. So as I mentioned earlier, 2020, another disappointing season. Offense was terrible. Defense took a step back. This offense was 26th in the league in total offense this season. My thing is, I hate the lazy narrative that everybody blames everything all on Mitch. Now, let's face it. He hasn't performed his expectations during his tenure in Chicago. We all know that, right? Right. But as they brought up in the last segment, for any of you that forgot, Nick Foles started seven games this season, and the offense looked awful. Right. <laughs> so when you ask me who I blame for the 8-9 season, I look at the person that decided it was a good idea to bench Mitch after a 3-0 start. Because you remember... Yeah, I told you guys at the time of that benching, why did he get pulled so quickly? What was that about? Well, right. we know why that was. A-Dubs told you guys why. And so you got to think about that, right? Who was also the same person who wasn't able to find a way to run the ball effectively for the majority of the season? I'll let you guys uh, think about that for a second because we know the answer. It's yes, Nagy. sir. <laughs> yes, I agree. Totally agree. And I would just say this, man. Whose job is it to make sure that whoever you put at quarterback, whether it's Foles, Trubisky, whoever, that you put them in a position to be successful? I think the the consistency here between A-Dub and I, when you look at this, there were a lot of factors. But when you roll up a lot of those factors, it rolls up into one individual person. Nagy. All day. That's what we go to. So we both agree that Nagy is the one who should take most of the blame. 
Think about what Anthony Miller said, and, and trust me, I don't want this fucker on his team next season, but he brought <laughs> up a really good point in December, A-Dub. He said that the team wasn't even calling the same plays in the game that they ran at practice. And he said that right. there were some issues that were going on behind the scenes that were basically affecting the team's offense from being successful. So my whole thing is, why is George McCaskey so high on this culture but do you have guys that are in this locker room that are putting quotes out there like this, right? Right, right. Because what Miller is saying is he thinks that the plays that they run in practice that they execute on all week need to be called during the games. So why aren't those plays being called? Right. Because he basically said, we know we can execute those plays and everybody needs a chance to ball out. So that's a damning statement. Yeah, that's a, that's a statement that says, really, coaching, you practice these plays we should play how we practice, right? This is the plays we learn in practice, what we're doing, then we should be doing those in the game. So, yes, that's a big deal, a major deal. Right. And let's not forget that A-Rob said after that Saints game that he had no idea who was calling the plays in that Saints game. He didn't know if it was Laser or Nick. That, if that's not the biggest indictment ever on the culture of your team, I don't know what is. How does your damn number one receiver not know who's calling the plays? That's a big deal. Not to mention our number one receiver wasn't even getting the ball targeted to him in the two of the biggest games of the season. But you know what? We've already divulged on that part, but I just want everybody just to realize when you look at this head coach, we just keep finding different reasons why he should not have been brought back for next season. Looking ahead, A-Dub, who's the player that you think most needs to step up next season? Wow, that's that's a huge... Man, that's big. If I'm looking at offense, who's ever playing quarterback needs to step up big time because again we have not got any great quarterback play i mean i get mitch stores did some good games and it's down the stretch but i'm talking about consistent play so for me we're gonna need to see a quarterback that does a lot so you're basically just saying whoever's at the qb position that's that's kind of what you're leaning yes because i don't know who's going to be at the quarterback position whoever's there gotta play better yeah, well, I would say right now, it, it looks like it's false, you know, because they were hyping him up during the press conference, and I hope that that's not the case. I hope I'm just overlooking that those those statements that they were making, but yeah. I we'll hope I hope, I hope hope that's not the case, man, because Foles cannot, he cannot be the starting quarterback for this team. Fuck no. Fuck no. He could be a backup. You could put him in, in, in a pinch and get him in there for a fourth quarter rally or something like that, but no, I do not want him as our starting quarterback. Fuck no. no. Right. So whoever it is, got to play at least three times better than that. <laughs> For sure, brother. For me, it's got to be uh, Eddie Tito Jackson. Oh, OK. <laughs> <laughs> He's got to go back to being the 2018 Bojack that we remember. Right. That was Correct. the guy that was making plays all over the field. He was one of the premier playmakers in the league. I don't know what happened to that level of play with him, but it fell off a goddamn gold cliff. <laughs> right. Um, and I would say this, man, he may even benefit probably from playing next to a physical safety that can cover because it maybe that'll allow him to go back to that playmaking style that he had. Right. Also, a new defensive coordinator may be, be able to bring a scheme in that'll basically allow Eddie Jackson to go back to playing like, you know, he we remember him playing because a lot of what we're seeing with these guys on defense was under Pagano. We saw a lot of guys took step back and yeah. it could have been because of scheme and not putting players in position to uh, to make plays. And you're right, Prince. Scheme is a big part of it. I think we spend a lot of our time in, in the coverage, zone coverage. And um, when you're in that kind of a scheme most of the season, really, 
you really don't get the time to really work on your one-on-one abilities and all those different things, right? With blitzing and things of that nature. So you're right. Scheme is a big part of what you what you do. So we'll see how next year goes for him. No, I, I feel you. Before we get into um, some of our awards for the 2020 season, I wanted to ask you, if you were in charge of basically the plan ahead for this Bears team and organization, what would your plan of attack be? My plan of attack would be, first things first, is to identify identify who am I going to go with at the quarterback. Are we going to trade for somebody? Are we going to do something about that? Whatever. Let's get that position solidified first. Let's start there. And then work our way around and look at all these other positions that we need to evaluate. Okay, that's fair. I would say for me, A-Dub, I got a couple. I would remove Ted Phillips as president. (laughs) The the point that you made earlier, and I love that you made that point, was around basically them asking for feedback outside of the organization. That right there shows you why you need a proven football guy in that president role. So I would remove him. Do what what the Cubs did with Crane Kenny. Crane Kenny was a money guy for the Cubs. So what they do is they hired a real president and then they move Crane Kenny to the business side of the organization. So if Ted Phillips is making you guys all this money, great, keep him there. Move his ass somewhere where he's not making football decisions. Right. So that's it. I'll piggyback off of what you said about the quarterback position. All I would just say this is this. Go all in on Deshaun Watson if you can. No one on this roster is untouchable. Good point. <laughs> I have two more points. Promote, okay. <laughs> J- pr- promote I, they just popping in my head now as we started talking. Promote Jay Rogers to defensive coordinator. That's our D-line coach. I think that it's important to pr- uh, promote somebody internally. We yes. saw where we lost Brandon Staley to the Rams uh, from the staff before. And I think with Jay Rogers, that's someone that I like because he's been around uh, for the Fangio uh, regime and he's been around for the Pagan- Paganos uh, regime. Mm-hmm. So, what he has is insight into what worked well under Fangio and what didn't work well under Pagano. And maybe he can then put together some plans of how we can get this defense back to where it needs to be, get to, right? Right. Also, A-Dub, it's going to be hard to attract a defensive coordinator when your head coach and your GM are lamed up, right? Because what's going to happen if these guys underperform as a staff, everybody's getting fired when a new organization and a new regime comes in next year. Mm-hmm. So I think promoting within kind of helps with that, and it kind of keeps the turnover of your staff down. Another point when it comes to Rodgers, think about some of that talent on that defensive line that he developed. So last Mm -hmm. season, Nick Williams, Mitch Unrun, right? Mm -hmm. This season, Mario Edwards Jr., Brent Urban, John Jenkins, right? And then since he's been here, he's been instrumental in Bilal Nichols, Eddie Goldman, and Hakeem Hicks all being really good players, right? So this guy has shown you, A, he knows how to fucking coach football. He knows how to develop people. And another thing that people don't think about with Rodgers is he was a former quarterbacks coach. So that probably gives him a unique insight on that defensive side of the ball or how to attack an offense. Right, right. And so I think that's somebody that we really should promote because I bet you there's a lot of teams that are going to be lining up to try to get him. I think so, too. But, you know, another thing I just thought about that we should also do as well. We should also hire an outside consultant who is a football genius. So we've kind of gone down that road with this organization. Gotcha. And I haven't liked what I've seen with that. Okay. Um, I think if you hire somebody in that role and move Phillips to where he rightfully belongs, just on the business side of things, I think we'll be good. Got to bring back A-Rob. Yes, sir. Absolutely. 
Yeah, there's there's no 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 if and or buts about that, right? And the guy loves playing here, so why not bring him back? I totally agree with you. It shouldn't even be a thought process of saying, "Hey, should we consider it or not?" We should absolutely just do it. Yeah, just do it, man. Because the thing about it is, is that we know what this wide receiver room looked like when he wasn't on this team. We had a lot of guys out there, you know, Josh Bellamy's and your Dontrell Edmonds. I don't want to get back to those days. Those are some really tough days as a Bear fan. We had no right. receivers on this team. Eddie Royal. The list goes on. It, right. it was it was sad. Just give this guy what he deserves. Do not put a franchise tag on him because all that's going to do is piss him off. Right. Get a man an extension. <laughs> that's it. Give him the money. Give him the money. That's all. Negotiate. Give him the money. And let's not play games with that situation. Because you're right. right. We have no one else if we let him go. Well, no, because the thing about it is you, the, what you're left with is Darnell Mooney, which, hey, he's still a young guy. He's going to be in his second year in the league. But then look at the rest of that room. You you don't even know if Miller going to be here. I hope he's not going to be here. You don't know what's going to happen with Javon Wimps. You know, you have a lot of unknowns in that wide receiver room. Right. Uh, Riley Ridley, who they don't even fucking play. Right. You know what's going to happen there. So it's just like, yeah. it's a whole lot of unknowns. Agree. Agree. But I'm keeping your number one guy. You got to keep him. And then, obviously, most fans know that our cap situation isn't ideal. And the NFL salary cap is probably going to decrease next year because of COVID. The, the, the league lost money. A lot of teams lost money. So you can only imagine that the salary cap number is going to decrease. So with that being said, A-Dub, the last plan of attack that I would have if I were in charge of this whole fucking shit show is there's going to be some tough decisions that are going to have to be made. And with that being said, I would cut Bobby Massey. I would cut Jimmy Graham and I would cut Buster Screen. Moves like that are going to free up cap space. And then you might also want to look at restructuring Cody Whitehair's deal because mm-hmm. then that could free up additional cap space because he's got a $9.6 million cap hit in 2021. So what they could probably do is offset some of that money, backload it, maybe give them a, a roster bonus, and that'll free up some cap space as well. But we're going to have to do something creative to improve this roster. And look, I hope it works. <laughs> yes, sir. So let's get into some team awards for 2020, brother. On special teams. Who's your special teams player of the year? Patterson. <laughs> Cordarrelle. Uh, can't argue with that. The guy's been phenomenal back there uh, to the point to where they don't really want to kick it to him that much. So uh, the guy is an impact player. You kick it to him, he's got some good yarders for us to put us in good field positioning. So I like what he's done this year. Glad to have him on the team, actually. Yeah, man, I love that guy. He's really, really good. Good guy. Good guy in the locker room. Hopefully we bring him back next season. Right. Uh, for me. I gave mine to Cairo Santos. He provided much needed stability to that kicking position. A-Dub, you know, we've had a lot of influx at that position since Robbie Gold left. Cairo Santos made us forget all about Pinheiro, and Santos was missed automatic. And they, better, and they better find a way to bring him back in 2021, man. <laughs> they better, man. That guy earned an extension. <laughs> and you're yeah. right. I have no issues whatsoever with that pick of yours because, yeah, yes, Santos phenomenal. Very well. Yeah, he, he earned his next contract and did some. <laughs> I agree. Uh, who's your rookie of the year, man? You already know. Got to go with my guy, Money Moon. Um, Jenna Johnson got hurt. He's playing very well. Actually, he was doing a very good job. But Money Moon pretty much played most of this entire season. He got better throughout the season, which I can say, man, this guy has turned into a number two for sure for the uh, Chicago Bears. And I like what he's been able to do. You can put him in jet run, jet schemes, if you want to put him in that. You can let this guy go long. He's great with that. He can go short. 
He can catch it and then speed up with it and get some yardage that way. Whatever you want to do, this guy can do everything pretty much, an all-purpose type of guy on the field. So I like what we've been able to do for us as Bill lays to continue to utilize him in many different schemes. Yeah, like I said, man, he was one of the steals of the draft. So shout out to your boy, Money Moon. My rookie of the year, while, you know, Darnell Mooney to me, hell of a player, and I only see bigger and better things for him in the, in the road ahead. I gave mine to Jalen, though. The reason why I did is going into this season, at the cornerback position, we were talking about Tolliver. We were yes. talking about Artie Burns. We were talking about these veteran guys that we were thinking were going to be the starter, and we right. were thinking that Jalen was going to be the guy that was going to come along slow. Yep. Well, what we see is Artie Burns tore his ACL. Yep. We saw that the team was not impressed with what they saw to Tolliver, and Jalen Johnson was the guy. As a rookie, in a season where we saw many rookies around the league struggle, Jalen Johnson came in, and him and Mooney both, to your point, they came in playing like veterans in this league. So Jalen Johnson, I really loved his approach, how he came in, really solid. He learned from his mistakes, had that next play mentality. It sucked down the stretch, missing him with that shoulder injury. We could have used him in that Packers game and definitely in that Saints game. But, yes. dude, when you could get a talent like a Jalen Johnson in the second round of a draft, Oh, my God. That's that's how you draft. And uh, I, I see uh, star potential with Jalen Johnson. Right, right. Well, guess what? I got to go back to this. Maybe that's probably why they thought about bringing your boy Ryan Pace back. <laughs> well, you know no, what? you want to hear it. No, you don't want to hear that part, but got to throw it out there. Yeah, you know what? I think uh, on a future episode, I think what we're going to do is we're going to we're going to dig through every acquisition that Ryan Pace has made in his tenure. I think that's going to be the only way for us to accurately, that's the best way to give an assessment on him, on his performance. But to your point, he's had some really good draft picks in those middle rounds. And we we know that we know that. Yep. But we'll definitely be doing that on a future episode. Perfect. All right. Man, we're getting through these, uh, these awards on the season. Give me what your play of the year was. For the team, the play of the year really comes with, uh, for me, the fact of seeing Money Moon in a situation to where he got a touchdown. And this is, again, it was a play that was designed with him and A Rob on the right hand side. That play really pretty much set up a touchdown for us to where it actually helped us steal the game. So for me, I thought really seeing Money Moon get involved that way and start to get in the end zone, that shows that, hey, this team is starting to transition a little bit better from an offensive standpoint, along with Mitch. A-Rob, et cetera. So to me, things started to work and started to look good with the team. Yeah, I mean, that's the play against the Giants that you're referring Giants, to. Yes, yes, the Giants, yep. And I love that play too because he worked back to the ball to help his quarterback out. Yes. And so just a veteran play by a rookie receiver. So no, that's a great that's a great uh, call out. Yep, absolutely. Mine is the 80-yard uh, touchdown run that, uh, that David Montgomery had against the Texans uh, week 14. That play right there just basically showed me and what showed what a lot of people should already have known about David Montgomery, that he is a breakout star in the making on this offense if utilized correctly. If we can definitely shore up that offensive line this offseason, right? Because we're good on the interior, but we need to figure out what we're doing at right tackle because I don't think Bobby Massey should come back. But we right. have to get this offensive line on, on a par because David Montgomery is a weapon. Mm-hmm. That is so underutilized. And we still haven't seen all this kid can do yet. You know what that play did for me, bro? What's that? <laughs> it upset me. Okay. You know why it upset me? Because it, like you just said, why haven't we been utilizing this kid enough? 
that's what it did for me. Like, damn, this guy ran 80 yards back. What the hell? We, why haven't we been giving this guy enough touches that you alluded to earlier, right? That's what it did for me. It just made me a little bit more. I mean, I was happy for him, right, to get the touchdown, but it, it upset me for the fact that we haven't utilized him enough throughout this season. We see a big play from him. Like, wow, we could have probably got more of these big plays had we utilized them more. Matthew Nagy. <laughs> <laughs> That's all. <laughs> you see my point. That's all. Yep. Who's your offensive MVP? Um, he was it. You hit it right on the head. He was my offensive MVP, uh, Montgomery. I think when he figured it out um, how to um, impact the game, well, when we figured out to give him the ball, right, to impact the game, that's when a lot of our forces start to change when we start to utilize him because it worked well. We got Mitch back in the game to do bootleg, to do play-action fakes and things of that nature. It all worked out because of him and him becoming a threat like that. So he evolved into a big threat. And to me, his impact was, was huge. Even when he didn't play, we missed him badly. So I would say that guy was probably the most impactful player on our team that I saw this season. Yeah, that's a good one, man. And honestly, he should be the focal point of the offense next year. I gave my offensive MVP to Allen Robinson. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> this is the thing, bro. Just imagine what he could have done in a better scheme with a quarterback that was basically getting the ball to him in, in good spots. A-Rob still had over 100 catches on the season, over 1,200 yards receiving, but I still don't think that we've seen the best of A-Rob yet, and that's scary because he still had an incredible season, in my opinion, with the situation that he had to endure with Nick Foles to back to Mitch Trubisky with poor scheming, going from to nagging the lazy. It, it was a shit show. It was. Um, so that that's my offensive MVP. Oh, no, Can't I imagine no- this offense without him, bro. I totally agree with you. I have no issues with that at all. I mean, to your point, I don't think we we underutilized them uh, this entire season. So I agree with you. Uh, especially down the stretch, not finding ways to, to get the ball in his hands. That was a grave mistake, grave mistake. And I hope that Nagy and that rest of that offensive staff, whoever's coming back, hopefully if, he, if A-Rob does come back, they are looking at that tape and realizing that they made mistakes with a lot of guys on that offense and they figure out how to get these guys the ball. I agree. Who's your defensive MVP, my man? Defensive MVP, from my standpoint, I got to go Roquan Smith. Yes, sir. Roquan elevated his game this year. I know he got robbed, you know, uh, from being all pro, got robbed out of Pro Bowl. But, man, did we miss him against the Saints? Sheesh. Not having him hurt. And this guy, he does so much, though, on the field. I mean, I mean, the guy can do very well. We talk about blitzing, you know, getting in there to rush, and he can help you in pass, you know, in, in coverage. It's like this guy can do a lot. And um, I hope, again, our next defensive coordinator can utilize him a lot more than we did this year because I think he was underutilized this year. And that's scary because he's only 23 years old. I don't think that he was in the best scheme. Right. And I think you're right. You get a defensive coordinator that's going to come in here, and I hope it's Rodgers. And I think that Rodgers may be able to unlock some of these guys and get them back to their to their potential. But what I agree wholeheartedly with uh, with Rokon as a defensive mm-hmm. MVP, we missed him greatly in that playoff game. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to think about that. It's hard to replace a fucking should-be-all-pro at any position, let alone inside linebacker. Correct. And what that game showed me, and this is one of my indictments against Ryan Pace, was the fact that when Roquan went down, our depth at inside linebacker was piss poor. Yes. Because the guys that were left there, you had Woods and you had Iggy. These are both special teamers. 
And they had no faith in either of these guys, and they had to go down to the practice squad to go after Manti Teo and elevate right. him. And Manti Teo is who he is, right? So he's trying to basically replace a Roquan Smith. That's a tough task for anybody. You know, so <laughs> big time tough task. <laughs> yeah, man. So I would just say this, man. We're gonna have to shore up a lot of that stuff uh, this offseason, especially at inside linebacker and at cornerback, because we also saw when Jalen Johnson went down. Yes, and we're a little slim over there as well, especially with some of those injuries that we had in the preseason. So there's gonna be a lot of work that needs to be done with this team, eh, Doug? Yep, and we need some more depth. That's what it comes down to. Absolutely, man. Well, shit, dude. Happy birthday again to you, my man. Joy. And we are out. Appreciate it, Press. Thank you so much, man. A-Dub, going to sign us off, bruh. Thanks for listening to the Barry Sanchez Podcast. You can find this podcast on Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. Thank you for your continued support. Bear Nation, come down with us. Peace.